0: Good morning, church family. My name is Amy Ware. Please join with me in turning in your Bibles to Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith
1: Well, we continue today in the series that we've been in, really since the beginning of the year, looking at these rhythms, looking at uh, these Christian behaviors, as, as Jackson said, and, and certainly one of those is that we would gather uh, in interpersonal relationship for the purpose of discipleship. And throughout the series, we've been looking at you know what we call is our covenant wheel. And you can really understand our, our whole church in this, um, uh, what is our convictions as a church, what we want to be the values of our church, and really these behaviors. And so we've looked at corporate worship and personal devotion and family worship a few weeks ago. We looked at kingdom generosity and what it means to support the church, to, to be generous to the king to, to ministry through your local church. Uh, and then today we're looking at relational discipleship. Uh, A community of believers gathering together really focused on growing in the Lord, focused on God's Word, focused on spiritual growth. And the the passage that we're looking at today certainly leads us to this end. Um, it's, It's a passage we've looked at before. In fact, all of these passages in this series are passages we've looked at before. They're kind of anchor passages for our church. There are passages that we wanna keep coming back to uh, that really help shape who we are as a community. Hebrews 10, what Amy just read for us though, it it really has two big points that I wanna think about with you. And not to be overly dramatic, but the the first point is the point of everything. And then the second point is the way to everything. You You could really sum up the Bible point of everything here, what's the whole big idea? (laughs) You could really sum up the Bible in the idea that God is bringing glory to himself by calling a people to himself, but by creating a people for his own possession. That, That God is bringing glory to himself in the way that he is calling this people to himself. And we kind of see this theme all throughout the Bible, Jeremiah 31, 33, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, that I will put my law in them, so there are righteous people, I will write it on their hearts, and then here's the line that you see over and over again, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Exodus 29, God says, I will dwell among the people of Israel, this will be my people, and I will be their God. Zechariah the prophet, in chapter eight, verse eight, I will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem and they will be my people and I will be their God in faithfulness and in righteousness. Paul picks up on this in the New Testament and he quotes from the Old Testament in 2 Corinthians 6. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Then of course the end of the Bible, I mean, the whole thing ends. Revelation 21, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. The point of the whole thing <laughs> is that you can know God, that you can commune with him, that you can be one of the people of God. This is God's, the whole, the whole purpose of the Bible, the summation of the Bible is that God is, is calling a people to himself. God is displaying his glory through a people that is his. We created beings can know God and find ourselves in him, and find ourselves in his righteousness, and find ourselves in relationship with God. And here's the deal. Every one of your souls longs for that. Whether you know that or not, there there is something in your soul that longs to know God. There is something in your soul, if you don't know him, that's missing him, that, that, that longs for him, that desires him. It's that itching in your soul. It's that it's that loneliness in your soul. It, 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 it's only fulfilled by God. Adam Duritz of Counting Crows, if you know me, you know I love the Counting Crows, but he says it this way. Mr. Jones and me looked into the future. Yeah, we stared at all the beautiful women. She's looking at you. I don't think so, she's looking at me. Standing in the spotlight, I bought myself a gray guitar. When everybody loves me, I'll never be lonely. I'll never be lonely. I'm never gonna be lonely. I wanna be a lion. Yeah, everybody wants to pass as cats. We all wanna be big, big stars, but we have different reasons for that. Believe in me, because I don't believe in anything. And I wanna be someone to believe, to believe. David Foster Wallace, who didn't know God, again, didn't know the Lord, but really understood what I'm talking about here, really understood this missing piece of his heart. We're just hardwired this way. He said in his book, Infinite Jest, we're all lonely for something we don't know we're lonely for. How else to explain the curious feeling that goes around feeling like missing somebody we've never even met? What is that? What is Adam Duritz and David Foster Wallace getting at here? And, and, and it is this real separation from God that we all feel. We were made for him. We were made to be his people. We were made to know him. And, and sin, our sin, the sin of humanity has ruined that. It has separated us from God. It's put us out of the garden, out of the presence of God. And this loneliness that we all feel plagues us. If everybody loves me, I'll never be lonely. Or I'm lonely for this person that I've never, ever met. What is that? It's this heart cry to be with God. And the amazing news of the gospel, (laughs) the amazing news, this is why this is the point of everything Hebrews 10, what Hebrews 10 is telling you, and what Hebrews 10 is telling me is that through Jesus, your soul can be restored to God, that that, that through Jesus, you can approach God confidently with boldness and have an intimate and deep fellowship with him. This, This loneliness that your soul has can finally be satisfied. Look at verse 19 again. I'll look at it up here. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into the holy places, the, holy, the presence of God, we can enter into this place, how? By the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way that is open for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled from medieval conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Now what Hebrews 10 is doing, what, what the author of Hebrews is picking up on here, is temple language. In the Old covenant in the Old Testament, God did dwell among the people, the thing that their hearts wanted. they were called to be the people of God's possession. God dwelt among them, but He dwelt among them in the. Temple, which was on the temple mount, within the outer courts, in the temple, in the whole, among the holy place, among the most holy place, in the ark, all veiled by this curtain. So God was among them, but he didn't feel like he was among them. There were all these veils. And the veils were there because of their sin. It was, it was symbolic of the separation they did have with God. They were sinful people. They, they, they couldn't come close to a holy God. In fact, only one day a year... Would anyone, just one person, the high priest, go to the presence of God, go to the place where the ark was, where the presence of God dwelled to make sacrifices for sin? And and this was only after uh, many ceremonial washings, this deep cleansing process. And he certainly didn't enter with confidence. (laughs) He entered with fear. He entered with trembling. In fact, they would tie a rope around his ankle just in case when he was back there, he died in the presence of God. Nobody was going to go in there to get him out. But do you hear what this text is saying? Do you hear what Hebrews is saying? It's saying now, in Jesus, there's a new curtain. The language that he's picking up on there, there was, a, there was actually two curtains. Two three and a half inch thick curtains. <laughs> three and a half inch thick curtains. Let me think about this. Two of them stacked together. Seven inches of curtain separating the people from the presence of God separating anyone even the priests, except for the high priest only, only once a year would go behind the curtain. No one could come close to the presence of God. But now there is this new curtain, this new and living way open for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And the good news, the amazing news of the gospel is that through the flesh of Christ because Jesus took on our sin and died in our place and our sin has been put to death in him, now there is a new and living way that has been opened for us. God invites us in Christ to commune with him. And so, I mean, and here's the good news of this, right? The priest, everyone else would, would, would go in there trembling and so would you, so would you. I mean, you'd have to. If I say, hey, let's go commune with God, and you'd say, what about all this sin? It's this clean conscience. Notice this down here, an evil conscience. You'd say, Jason, I'd like to go commune with God, but hold on, I need, to have, I need to live a better week than I lived this week. I need to clean myself up a little bit. Let me make sure I gave to the church, or let me make sure, actually there's this guy that I was cruel to, I need to go talk to him. So that's the problem. Who, who can come in? What, what, what kind of curtain could be opened to you that you could actually go have fellowship with God, that your soul could actually be resolved to him? And, and what this is saying is there is such a curtain. It's the curtain of the flesh of Jesus that by him, all your sins have been paid for on the cross. That he has come to you, that God is calling you to himself in mercy and in love that he forgives you because of what Jesus has done. This is the, the new and living way that has been opened for us through the curtain. And, and, and he's, he's not just our curtain, he's also our high priest. You know what a priest is? A priest is an advocate. A priest is an advocate. It's, a priest for us is like, a, it's like having a good attorney. You know, if you have a good attorney, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're innocent or guilty really. If you have a good attorney, the, the the jury likes and the judge likes that's all that really matters you don't ever go on the stand it's the attorney that makes your that appeals your case and what the, the what this is saying is that you have such an advocate Jesus himself who appeals to God on behalf of his righteousness and he appeals for your sin by his blood that has protected you, that that shields you from the consequences of your sin. And so through Jesus, through this new and living way, your soul doesn't have to wander anymore. You don't have to be lost. You can, you can draw near to God. You, you can actually, you actually live the life that you were called to live. You can be one of the people of God. Let us draw near with a true heart. And I love this word. Uh, you know, here in, The first verse, we have confidence. Let's come to God with confidence. I love here, let us draw near with a true heart full of assurance. How are we coming into the Lord in Christ? It's not with fear. It's as his child. It's with confidence. It's with assurance. Our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Our bodies washed with pure water. And and the reason I start here is because this is the point of everything. This, This is what you were made for. This is the only thing that will bring resolution to your soul. What was lost with sin, what was lost because of our sin and the sin of all of humanity has been restored in Christ Jesus. And now God says to you, come to me. We're just saying this. Come to Jesus and rest. Let your soul find rest. This is this, is this person that David Foster Wallace misses that he's never met. What he's, he's saying, there's a plea from this man that was confused that he needed the Lord. This is what Adam Duritz was looking for. When everybody loves me, I'll never be lonely. I want to believe in something. This is is what we're all called to believe. in. we're all called, this is what makes sense of your soul. And the invitation is open. This is the big idea. This is the point of everything. And so before we, I know we're supposed to be talking about community groups and, and relational discipleship, and we're going to get there, and you're going to see how that's connected with this. But before we get there, you have to see this. You know, Jesus says it this way in, Mark 8 and Matthew 16, what does it, it profit you? What, what, is, what good does it for you? If you were to gain the whole world, if you were to gain the whole world, if you were to have the greatest success in business, if you were to have total notoriety, if everybody were to love you, if you were to become the biggest rock star ever, if you were to become the best writer ever, whatever it is, you you're to gain the whole world, but lose your own soul. Your soul was made to commune with God. And the good news of the gospel is that in Jesus, a curtain has been opened. And that through him, as you look to him, in him, because of what he's done for you, we can enter with assurance. We can enter with confidence. I will be their God, and they will be my people. This is the big idea. Now, if you notice, though, the the way that, the Bible talks about this. When we see this idea over and over, it always talks in a plural sense. You know, it doesn't say, you know, and I will be his God and he will be my Jim, or I will be her God and she will be my Tina, you know. No, there's, there's, a, there's a corporate nature to this. As we said a few weeks ago, we, we certainly enter into a personal relationship with the Lord but we don't, in Christianity, enter into a private relationship with the Lord. And this is hard for us. We're a very individualized culture, we're a very individualized people, but the the calling of the Christian life is to be a part of a body. There's this idea of community that's built into the Christian life. We, We commune with God and we commune with this people that he is calling to himself, and that brings us to the second point. We've looked at the point of everything, but what about the way to everything? And really the way to everything, the way to communion with God is through relationship. First, relationship with Christ, relationship with Jesus, and if you know Jesus, you know the Father and you know the Holy Spirit, and you're also called, if you know Jesus, to know and love his people, the people that he loves. Christianity is full of truth claims. Okay, so I I, want to be very clear here. Christianity is anchored in propositional truth statements. You know, we say things like the creed I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in his son Jesus Christ, who's crucified under Pontius Pilate, you know, suffered under uh, Pontius Pilate, uh, born of the Virgin Mary. We, We believe these things. Christianity is necessarily truth claims. Because it's true, <laughs> because Jesus came in real space and real time and, and really lived, right? As I said a few weeks ago, there, there's no such thing as this kind of like, well, my Jesus is like this and my Jesus is like that. that that's an idol, that's, that's no Jesus. Jesus is who he is. So Christianity is necessarily anchored in truth claims, but it's, it's not just truth claims. Christianity is, is namely not just about believing things, it's about knowing someone, <laughs> It's truth claims because it's actually someone who actually existed, who came and manifests himself in real place in real time, but, but ultimately it's truth claims that call us into a relationship with Christ, relationship with the Father, relationship with the Holy Spirit, and relationship with his people. So look at verse 23 with me. This is, this is really, really helpful. So again, the point of everything Author of Hebrews has just been talking about how we can draw near to the throne of God through Christ. And he anchors this in a truth claim. This is, this is very important. He says, let us hold fast to the confession. Right. So he's, he's even getting at this idea. We believe these things. That Jesus has come. That Jesus has called us to be a part of a kingdom. It is a confession. It is faith. It is a belief for he who promised is faithful. So the point of everything is that you can commune with God. How do you commune with God? You commune with God through Christ, through the good news of his gospel, that Jesus has come to pursue you, that Jesus has come to save you, to reconcile you with the Father by his cross, by the power of his resurrection. But how then do you hold fast to the confession? That, that becomes the question of the text. If Jesus is the way in to everything, how do you hold on to him? How do we hold fast to this confession without wavering? And then the answer comes in the next verse, verse 24. And this was the the passage that Zach was talking about earlier. Let us, again, corporate, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. The point of everything is that you would know God. The way to know God is through Jesus and through his gospel, to believe in his gospel. But how do you hold fast to his gospel? And here it is, through the community, through being a part of his body, his people, and so, a couple of thoughts on Christian community. First of all, the practice of community. You know, we talk a lot about rhythms. I mean, that's this whole series we're talking about the, having a rhythm of relational discipleship in your life. Is that in your life? Do you, is there any? Is there anybody that you're in real communion with that you know that you're relating to? That's a regular habit of your life. You're, you're stirring one another along. And again, there's really, there's so many opportunities here. If you say, well, I'd like to do that, but I can't find anything. We, I mean, we have 60 or 70 groups here. We have 50, 60 cohorts. There, there are opportunities for you to get involved. If you, if you say, I can't find one, please come and find me. Come and find Jackson. We, we want to connect you with other believers. But this is a rhythm of the Christian life. Don't neglect this. I love verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together. And this is actually a very comforting little phrase here for a pastor, as is the habit of some. It says, man, even the author of Hebrews had to deal with people skipping church, you know. As is the habit of some. And it's comforting to me because even the author of Hebrews is saying to you, hey, look, don't, don't, don't travel every weekend. <laughs> it's, good, it's good to go out and have some fun here and there, but, but don't neglect this. Don't neglect the body. You know, don't don't sleep in on Sundays. Don't don't schedule brunches on Sunday mornings unless you go to the 5 p.m. service and you can have as many Sunday morning brunches as you want. The The most important thing in your life is you would commune with God. And the way to commune with God is through Jesus. And the way to hold fast to the confession of Jesus is through the community. Don't forsake the community. Be involved in relational discipleship. And then he adds this little phrase. How about this? He says, not neglecting me together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another. And then he says, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more as you see the day drawing near. Man, this will change. That that phrase, that little tag-on phrase, it'll change your life. Live in light of the day drawing near. You know, if Jesus were coming back tomorrow... (laughs) I guarantee you, church would be a lot more full today. If Jesus were coming back tomorrow, you wouldn't skip, you know, community group this week. Live in light of the day that's drawing near. And I don't know if Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but the day of the Lord is getting nearer, whether we like it or not. One day we will stand before the Lord. One day... I said, I said earlier, the only thing that really matters is that you would have communion with God. We're distracted because of that. We, it's hard for us to see that in this sinful and fallen world. One day that will all be clear. Live in light of that. All the more as the day is drawing near. If you're not in a group, if you're not in a cohort, get in one. Don't neglect this part of your life. It, it protects the confession. It's how you hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering I've given before the illustration of a fire you know I love to build fires and um, actually in the first service I gave this same illustration and one of the little boys drew me a fire and I thought man that's really helpful here's the fire here and uh, but I was like man it, he it, this this little boy is one of the Neen- menina boys he got something but you know the, the key to a fire here one of the reasons I love a fire is if you get it hot enough, you can literally throw anything in there. I mean, this is, I mean, I love, it's like late in the night, you've gotten the fire really hot and you're just like, let's see if this will burn. Let's see if this will burn. And you just start throwing stuff in there because you get a great coal base and it doesn't matter. I mean, you, if, it's, if it's wet or whatever, you throw it in there and it'll burn because the fire is so hot, it'll consume it. That's what happens when the coals get together. They, they have this way of stirring one another along in the fire. But if you ever wanna put a fire out, you know how you do it? If you've never built, if you're not experienced with fires, I'll tell you how to put one out. This is your smoky Bear moment of Christ's covenant. You can prevent forest fires, but here's how you do it. You, you get a log or something and you spread all the coals out. You, you, you take all the coals, you get them from, when they're, they're together, they burn hot, but when you spread them out, and here's the deal. On a cold night, if you get one of those coals, one of those coals that was in the middle of the fire, one of the, this hot, hot fire, you could take one of the coals that was right in the middle, and if you spread it out away from all the, from all the other coals on a cold night, if you spread it out just 10 minutes later, you can pick it up. A, a coal that 10 minutes before would have seared your hand and left a scar for the rest of your life, just 10 minutes later, you put it out on a cold night, it's cool enough to pick up and hold in your hand. That's what happens with fires. And the same thing happens to you. You, get, you. you neglect the communion of saints, you neglect this. You, you'll burn out your fire for the Lord. You, you'll get distracted with other things. You'll grow cold for the Lord. You won't hold fast to the confession without wavering. We need this. If, don't neglect this. The only thing that matters is that you know God the way that you know God is through the gospel of Jesus and the confession of the hope that we have in him. And the way that we hold on to that confession of faith is in the community. Don't neglect meeting together, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a great little book called Life Together. And he talks about this fire effect that I'll talk about here. He doesn't, he doesn't use the the, uh, the particular illustration, but here's what he's talking about. And I'm gonna read it to you, but, but I want you to hear kind of what he's saying. He's saying, sometimes your faith is not as strong. you know. Sometimes your faith is not gonna be as strong, Butler. And there's gonna be times where you're gonna need a brother to say something that's gonna stir you toward the Lord. And then here's the deal too. Sometimes my faith is not gonna be as strong. It's true, I mean, I'm a professional Christian, but there are times when my faith is stronger and there are times when my faith is weaker. But the thing that keeps it hot is when I have guys like Butler that that I, I hear about him loving the Lord or I see him praising God or I, I, I hear about him serving someone or being compassionate or I just see mercy in him, and all of a sudden that does something to me you know I love going to a corporate worship service don't you don't you love coming to a corporate worship service? I love looking out and seeing you guys worship the Lord you know here's Thomas Collier you you, you can't miss him because he's like seven feet tall but there was a time, this was like three or four weeks ago, I was sitting right over here, and I just was watching him worship. And I'll be honest, I, I kind of walked in that day, a little, you know, I mean, maybe the, it, well, the coal wasn't outside of the fire, but the coal wasn't in the hot, hot fire. And just seeing this brother in Christ love our Lord, just lit my heart up for, the, for Jesus. And so that's what, that's what Bonhoeffer's talking about. He's saying, you know, sometimes you, you need, you actually need the word of God in your brother's lips Not just in your own lips, not just in your own heart. He says it this way. God has put his word into the mouth of men in order that it may be communicated to other men. Now, it's in the masculine, but this is for men and women. This is for everybody. Do you hear that? God's put his word in your heart so you can communicate to others. What you believe, this confession that you believe about Christ, these truths that we believe about God, we communicate it to one another. When one person is struck by the word, he speaks it to others. God has willed that we should seek and find his living word in the witness of a brother, in the mouth of a man. Therefore, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks the word of God to him. He needs his brother or sister again and again when he or she becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother man as a bearer, and I love this, and protector of the divine word of salvation. Do you hear we're doing? We're protecting one another. We're, we're speaking truth to one another. We're protecting one another. We're encouraging one another. We're bearing this truth to one another. He needs his brother solely because of Christ Jesus. The Christ in his own heart is weaker than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain, but his brother's is short. Don't you see how the body works? When one is weak, Someone comes along and speaks a word and strengthens them. And then the same is true. And then that person becomes weak, and, and, and the, the first person that received encouragement speaks another word back. You know, another analogy that we see in Scripture that if you've come to First Sunday, I always use is the body. We're part of a body. And the body works this way. The body's looking out for one another. And when the body is working properly, you know, I... Uh, you know, a lot of y'all know I've, I've torn my right ACL twice. And, and it's awesome to think about. I, I love thinking about this. I have this ligament that's no good in my knee. And you know, what, you know what my muscles around do? They work extra hard to protect my ligament in the knee. I love to think about that. It's like they know that the ligament is shoddy. And so my quad and my calf, all these other muscles, they say we're going to protect that little ligament in there that's no good. And that's what the body does. It looks after itself. And when the body is joined together and when the body is functioning properly, it becomes incredibly useful. I mean, that, that's, that's true of you too. You know, another allergy I give it first Sunday is the, you know, the hand. You know, what good is a hand? You know, if you just had a hand that was crawling around, it would be kind of creepy, you know. But when a hand gets connected to an arm that's connected to a mind, that's connected to eyes, that's connected to legs, that's connected to a body, then all of a sudden that hand can be used to throw a curveball. That hand can be used to write a poem. That hand can be used to play an instrument. That hand can be used to build a house. That hand can be used for all these enormous things. And here's what I would say to you. There's, there's some of you here today and when we talk about things like having a ministry or being useful or being used by the Lord, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And the reason is, is because you're not connected to the body. You're just like this weird little hand living out there. And, and when you get connected to the body, those of you that are really connected, you're, you're diving into membership, you're in community group, you're serving. It's, you're like, look, <laughs> I'm being used enough, you know. I'm being used all the time. This is the difference. This is when the body really works, when it's connected. And even more to the point, you you separate the hand from the body and it'll die. So we see the practice of community. But secondly, in this passage, we see the way of community. Zach kind of mentioned it earlier, but I love this word consider. I, I love the word consider. Let us consider. Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good deeds. This implies that we know one another. Let's consider the other person, that we're not just treating everyone blanketly. You know, the, the way that I need to be motivated is different than the way that maybe you need to be motivated. You know, I, I had a great cohort last year, a lot of young guys, and it was, it was so cool. All these young guys, they all love the Lord, but they all were motivated in different ways. There was just different little things. There was different aspects about their life. There were different sins that this person was struggling with this, this person was struggling with that, this person needed this encouragement, this person needed that encouragement. That's the body. It implies that we know each other. It implies that we're known, that we're not just using the community, that we're there for one another, that we're there known and loved by one another. And it really, as the body begins to operate this way, Where it knows and loves one another. Here's the the other benefit you start to see more of Jesus. You really do. You you, you start to see more of Jesus as you live life in the body. Um, There's this pub in in Oxford, England, called The Eagle and Child. And there was um, a group of writers, famously C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien, that used to meet there every week and they'd have a beer and they'd talk about their writing projects that they were working on, but they became very good friends. And um, Lewis and Tolkien were in the group. There's several other people in the group. Charles Williams uh, was a member of the group. Um, Owen Barfield was in the group. Uh, several other lesser known uh, writers, but Lewis wrote about it in his book, Four Loves. And he says, in each of my friends, there is some, there's something that only some other friend can truly bring out. You know what I'm talking about? You, you, you know, when, when, when this friend gets around this friend, then you see something of them that you're like, ah. That's what he's saying. So with each of my friends, there's, there's something that only some other friend can bring out. But by myself, I'm not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I like the way he says this, I need other lights, right? So he has, his light brings out something, but then you get all these spotlights on the person and you see more of the person. I want other lights in my own to show all of his facets. And this is, uh, he's talking about Charles Williams. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to a specifically Caroline joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him now to myself, now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. We possess each friend not less, but more, as the number of those with whom we share him increases. You see what he's saying? And this is true of friendships, but it's also true of the Lord. You know, as I've been in this body, as I see some of you, you know, as, I, as I watch some of our elders care for the people under their care in the church, I understand more of the love of Christ. I understand what it means that Jesus is a good shepherd caring for me, pursuing me. As I've seen joy, the joy of the Lord in some of your hearts, I've understood more of the joy of our Lord Jesus as I've seen some of your patience just bearing with one another, I've understood more of the patience of God. Don't you see? As you're in the body, you you actually start to see the attributes of Jesus manifest through his people. And so you know him more. You, You know Jesus in this more full way. It's more lights, if you will, are being shined on him. We need one another. So we've looked at the practice of community, the way of community But finally, the result of community. There's a lot of places that I thought about going here. You know, The result of community, I mean, gosh, we could talk about how people feel loved. We could talk about mission. We could talk about multiplication. We could talk about how more fruits of the Spirit are shown. We could talk about everything. But I kind of want to go back to where I started. The most important thing is that you would commune with God as you'd be brought into relationship with God and the only way to be brought into a relationship with God is through Jesus. To hold on to the confession of Jesus, to to believe in the gospel of Jesus, and the only way, as this is saying, the way to strengthen that confession, to hold fast to that confession without wavering, is through the community. And I just want to get to that basic point with you. Don't neglect this. You know, where the author of Hebrews goes from here And I I thought about it was like we had this nice text about loving one another and this nice passage about community and stirring one another on, considering one another. But you kind of have to follow where the author of Hebrews is, where he's thinking. What's his next thought? And so his next thought, verse 26, listen to what he says. He says, if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a fearful expectation of judgment and the fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. You see what he's saying here? He's saying that if your attitude toward the grace of Jesus is just, oh, God will be gracious to me. God will be gracious to me. I can live however I want to live. I can do whatever I want to live. After you've received the good news of the gospel, if, you're, if your attitude is continual, deliberate sin, He says for you, and I want you to hear this. I mean, somebody probably here needs to hear this. There is no longer a sacrifice for sin. What about eternal security? Well, there's eternal security for those who come to Jesus with genuine repentance and faith. Not some sort of high-handed, you know, not not coming to Jesus if he's your slave, saying, give me a little more grace, give me a little more grace, give me a little more grace. For you, there's, there's no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. There's only expectation of judgment. This is my point. This is so important. <laughs> Hold fast to the confession. Stay faithful to Jesus. Don't be drawn away. Don't, don't be carried away by the, the tides of the day. The, the, your soul is at stake here, don't you see? Don't neglect, don't do kicked, don't, don't be the coal that gets kicked outside the fire. Stay in the community, stay steadfast. He he concludes this section, I wish I had more time to go to the end of chapter 10 here, but he concludes this section, he says, for you have need of endurance, endure, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. This is life with God forever. This is the reward of God. He says, for yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and not delay, but my righteous shall live by faith. But this is, this is what I've been meditating on. We, we, I looked at this passage. I studied this for this sermon a few weeks ago, but I cannot stop thinking about this. It says, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and persevere and rather preserve their souls. Will you shrink back? Will be, will be the ones that shrink back? <laughs> That's what I've been thinking about. And, and what will lead us to shrink back? What, 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 what will carry us away? What will kick us outside the fire? I, I, I don't want to shrink back. I don't want you to shrink back. And, and there's, so many, there's so many winds that blow on you that want you to shrink back from the confession to live for other things. You know, there's this song called... Um, Jesus is better, and one of the lines says, in all my sorrows, Jesus is better, and it's a great line, because sometimes sorrow will make you shrink back, it'll make you doubt, it'll pull you away from the Lord, and actually, if you're in sorrow, if you're in a hardship right now, you know, I just talked to a a brother outside, and went to the nine o'clock service, and just lost his father, and he's just holding on, Jesus is better, you know, I believe in the goodness of God. And even though my, heart, my soul is hurting now, I believe in the goodness of God. Jesus is better. And, and, and my plea to him, and my plea to you, if that's your situation, dive into the community. Let the, let the word of God on the mouth of your brothers strengthen the word of God in your heart now, like Bonhoeffer said. But there's another line in that song. It says, you know, in, in all my comfort, Jesus is better. than any comfort, Jesus is better. And you know, if I had to be honest, this is the one that I fear for as a pastor in Atlanta. Because there's just so much comfort. Things are so nice. And if you're not careful, the wind of comfort just grabs you. And you start living from comfort to comfort to comfort to comfort to comfort. You all heard me talk about the Atlanta narrative, right? You know, I'm, I'm closing the deal. I'm awesome. I just wanted a great vacation. I'm awesome. We just remodeled the house. We just got a doodle, right? And it's just comfort to comfort to comfort, to comfort. And again, there's nothing necessarily intrinsically wrong with any of those things. But is that your life? And is that causing you to shrink back? That's the question. If those things cause you to shrink back from what really matters, from the Lord, from what will actually satisfy your soul's, we are not of those who shrink back. No, we are not of those who shrink back. Let's hold fast to this confession. And, and, and to do that, we need one another. Don't neglect this. Let's pray together. Father, the only thing that matters, <laughs> the point of the whole thing, the point of our lives as we would know you, so we would be your people. That is the whole reason of our existence. And that's all been lost because of sin. But you have restored this broken relationship through Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that we would look to him. And we don't look to him just alone. We look to him with one another, that that we would consider one another we consider this people that we've been called to that we would follow Jesus faithfully and stir one another along and be stirred along Father, may we not be a people that neglects the the gathering either the big gathering, the corporate gathering or individual gatherings, the, the small group gatherings Lord, may we be a people that or that understands the beauty of the community that we are a part of. We are encouraged all the more as we see the day drawing near. Give us faith and obedience in this, I pray in Jesus' name.